Welcome to another episode of Overthinking the Modern World. This one is actually very exciting because it's my first in-person one. So if you decide to catch on video, that would be well appreciated. And also, I have my first in-person guest. Please welcome Josh G to the podcast. <laughs> thank How you, you thank you, How man. How you doing? Thanks for having me. I, you know, I was starting to wonder when I was going to get on one of these... <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, excited to be here. Excited to dive into you know dating. Um, I guess our experiences of it, and um, yeah, little little tidbits. I guess uh, we've learned along the way. <laughs> okay, love it. Yeah, so I guess Josh has kind of introduced the episode. We're going to be talking about love, talking about modern dating, how it's so complicated, but also very interesting, and there are so many new dimensions to it. And this is something we talk about decently often in our personal lives. Dating, yeah, for sure. I mean, it, I think generally when you're in those early 20s, uh, dating is a big aspect of your life, you know? Career obviously is one also that you end up speaking about a lot depending on the person, but I think dating is that constant one. Like, you could be a bum or you could be killing it, but dating is that constant aspect you speak about in these early in these early days. So, um, yeah, definitely good to like, I guess, capture it into, you know, more solidified thoughts rather than just rambling about it all day (laughs) (laughs) no that is a great point yeah it it is relevant to everyone like your love life if you're not i don't think there are any types of people that aren't interested in in romance in general yeah so it, it is a universal experience something we've talked about i guess off camera before is the differences in dating per location so it's both culturally and different geographically for example, in Latin America, there's a lot of family incorporation. And in Russia, they expect you to be a lot more chivalrous. Mm. And apparently in Australia, it's a lot more friend-based. Like you form friendships first. Yeah, you had some thoughts on, on that. Yeah, I've heard the Russian one where it's like, you know, guys are just pretty much always expected to pay. Like it's not even a question, you know. And it is, it's interesting how different it is from, from place to place. Um, I think one thought I've had in the past is that I feel like dating even in, in major cities within North America are so different. I come from Toronto and I find that dating there is so different from dating in LA. And I think it's mainly because of the composition of people and maybe their attitudes towards um, how outgoing they are. Uh, for example, in and I think what, what builds that is in Toronto, you get a, a lot of people from these smaller suburbs that move into this big city. But for the most part, they're staying within those same cliques that they had to begin with. So dating happens within these cliques uh, and within friend groups. Whereas in LA, it's a lot of people who had their childhoods in, in other cities or other parts of the world, and they're coming here ready to explore new things and, and they're more open-minded and, and open to meeting new people. So I think right. here you end up getting a, a way different sense of what dating means versus in, in, other, in other cities. Right, right. Because LA notoriously is quite filled with expats as they call it exactly like certain cities just have more people from other cities going to them so you kind of establish its own culture of everyone like being quite adventurous i guess like you wouldn't necessarily go to la if you didn't want if you were extremely introverted and you just wanted to stay at home all day it's like a collection of people that are trying to like do exactly i think i mean it's the place where it's like the glitz and glamour is what's talked about you know so And that has an aspect to it as well. Like not only is it people who are expats, but it's people who are coming here with the intention of maybe being more outgoing in their social life or the more outgoing people in general, you know, the extroverts and and the people who are willing to go out on a night and and don't care where the night goes, you know? Actually, from talking to one of my Korean friends, she said that dating Korea is a lot like, oh, we go on one date and now we're exclusive and then so we're gonna see where this goes and we can break up by like date three right but from date one like we're exclusive i think this like not exclusive unless explicitly implied or discussed is really a north american thing yeah i mean situations situation strips that's uh, that's that's the that's the going term for it these days i think but essentially it just means like you know, you're in a situation with this person and it's, you're not dating obviously because it's not, it doesn't have the title, but it's also not, you know, just a passing thing. You when know, you say dating, you mean not in a relationship. Yeah, not in a relationship. Sorry. Yeah. To you got to differentiate yeah, now yeah, I, with uh, the 
talking yeah yeah seeing yes. dating in a relationship that there, there are different meanings to dating is one that like you know you it obviously could mean going on dates or dating as in we're dating you know um but in this context i meant like uh dating as in in a relationship yeah back to the point like situationships that's something i feel like people find themselves pretty often in these days you know you don't end up going to the realm of dating until it's you know, there's a lot of vetting that's been done up until that point. I don't think I would be in a relationship with someone until I was like quite sure that this was somebody that I, I would want to get into a relationship with. So it naturally caters towards now these situationships where it's like you have people that check off almost everything, <laughs> but not enough for it to be a dating, but too good to let it go. And so now here we are in a situationship. <laughs> wow, situationships. Yeah. Do you think it's because the standards for being in a relationship is higher? Because you're saying they're ticking a lot of boxes, but then you, they're still missing some. Well, you know, one conscious decision I made probably around like 22, 20, 21 maybe, is that I would never get into a relationship with someone unless I thought there was a potential that, that I would marry this person. I'm not saying that I have to marry this person, but obviously... They have to be a candidate for that because otherwise it just doesn't make sense. Like there's just so much like logistics that goes into a relationship that I think there's no point in creating all those ties and all those unnecessary connections unless you plan on taking it to that point. Right, right. Um, and so for that reason, I find myself in plenty of situations because, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, you know, it's hard for it's hard because as you progress in terms of what your interests are your candidates also narrow down you know that's why in high school it's like anybody in high school is good because it's like we have such similar trains of thoughts because we haven't specified down to what we are going to be when we're adults when you're adults like you know you go to university you pick you know uh health sciences then you're like-minded people you end up being in the field now you're with more like-minded people and also your your interest in people is narrowed down and i think for that reason, it's hard to find people that check off all these lists. Right. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> yeah, I guess what you kind of mentioned at the end, what I understood it to be is, it, it is harder to meet people as you get older, yeah. which is scientifically true. Mm -hmm. It is harder to make friends as you get older. For a number of reasons, I think, yeah, you lose commonalities with people. Like, how are you going to really just go on the street and, like, pick up friends? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, hey, do you want to be my friend? And then that seems like such an innocent thing to do, but... People hate that. You know, like, I don't no want to be your friend. As a I had this thing when I was younger. It's like, I wanted to make everybody my friend. Everybody had to like me, you know? And so it's like, I'm, I'm down to be friends with everybody. Like the, the weird kids in class and also the, the cool kids in class. And as you get older, you start realizing that like, not everybody's cool, man. Some people are just weird. And yeah, so, <laughs> but it's also your openness to, you know, random interactions. Uh, so you're one of the people that that is making making friends hard because you're like no <laughs> so you're talking about the lack of commonalities mm. and i i think that's uh that's very interesting because if you think about talking to complete strangers for example say you're at a bar and you say you like tap someone on the shoulder and you start talking to them they're gonna think like why are you talking to me <laughs> like there's no there's absolutely no reason for us to be talking it's not like oh we we, we go to the same school or right. we do like you have no implied related interests. But I think this brings me, us back to the broader first topic that is if dating is harder now than it was in the past. The modern world versus say 20 or 50 years ago. And in America, actually a lot of Americans say dating is now harder than it was 10 years ago. So 47% of Americans said that and only 19% say it's easier. But obviously any individual cannot have a very objective view on this yeah. because they haven't lived both those years yeah as in fair. like you haven't been 25 in 2012 and 25 in 2022 like you've got an order so yeah what you look for is different and everything but they do say that people do think it's harder do you think that's the case have you found that to be the case i think i, th I don't think dating has gotten harder i think people have have gotten a lot different and i think the average person's proficiency in a social situation has dropped so much you know it's the same things that still work it's the organic 
situations and, and and where things come about uh, come about very naturally that still end up leading to the most successful you know interactions with uh, you know whoever you're trying to speak to but it's the fact that people have just gotten so bad at creating those organic situations or even knowing how to deal with an organic situation because so much of your life is spent behind like a phone or you know where the the interaction is not verbal or conversational it's just you know words on the screen oh technology has definitely caused us to stay in more and communicate more using technology for example (laughs) when i my first oh yeah my first girlfriend when i was 11 years old we talked primarily over msn messenger msn Ah. yeah like we just like text each other online essentially and when we were in person we never spoke but on msn like from the age of 11 that was really like ingrained in me wow that for a lot of whatever relationships you have or interactions with um who you're pursuing a lot of it is digital right it's either texting or calling or like sending memes and shit it's all very digital Mm. i think a lot of it comes from people sometimes not being able to express their thoughts well on the fly you know and and put it into words in the moment being able to sit behind a screen and maybe think for like a minute or you know even an hour before you send a message that has so much that detracts so much of the you know the difficulty of a of a conversation in person which is the fact that you need to be on your feet and react to what's happening in front of you at at that time so i think people just become more awkward in because of these situations yeah because we can fall back on texting the thing where it's like you know it's like a joke it's an ongoing joke where like you know i've seen a uh, <clears throat> a message where a guy says hey ladies and he's texting his uh, girlfriend and she's like why did you say hey ladies <laughs> and to that he responds because i know this is going to be sent to the group chat <laughs> <laughs> i know the screenshots are going to be set so it's that you know it's the thing that even like you could now get your friends help to respond to messages and you know it's like a group project almost responding to a conversation whereas when you're in person is like so many times you find that you know these girls uh in person or even guys in person are unable to keep up these conversations whereas over text they're like this hilarious yeah. person you know <laughs> Because they have all this time to find the right, you know, the right image or the right gif that they wanted to send. Oh, it's e- extremely disappointing. Yeah. <laughs> you thought they were... And not necessarily, I don't want to say, oh, they were funny of a text, but they weren't in person. But they were so energetic of a text, sending like 10 texts at a time. But then in person, they're just like letting you monologue. <laughs> like they don't say anything. Right. And it's very, it's very odd. But I, I think before we try to really nail that, because I think that is a good point humans have become less social over time. Yeah. And that definitely could contribute to this dip in, or this increase in dating difficulty. But dating historically, and always will be different for men and women. Like we will always have a difference in dynamic. We, on average, the things we want, us, they do overlap, but they also vary. Yeah. And it's always that dynamic of like pursuer, pursue, pursuee, you know? Um, And for that reason, I think the experience will always be different for girls. Yeah, I mean, now we have obviously like the the gay community is obviously very prevalent. So I can't really speak to the dynamics in that sense. But in, in heterosexual relationships, that's always been the dynamic. And it seems to always be the dynamic where it's like the guy doing all these things to get the girl. Right. Initially. Yeah. And especially in the West. Yes, it definitely differs by culture, as we mentioned. I think it's quite interesting that in Japan, they have a lack of this interaction. So they actually like encourage the intermingling, like the government supports programs like this. Wow. Or it's like, hey, come to this bar, like drinks are on the government. Oh my God. Other singles there. Yeah. But then, yes, in the West, though, places, especially, I guess, because we're talking about America, since we, we currently live in America, is that, yes, women have so much of dating power because they have so many options in the in the current climate women are killing it these days (laughs) in america not in terms of so this is where i wanted to say we want different things is that i think we have different struggles in dating is that men find it harder to date in general but women find it hard to find the right man Mm. and you know it's ironic almost it's like women tend towards relationships but they do best when they're single. 
men want to be single, but you know, do worse when they're when they're in their single state in terms of if you're going to look at sexual activity or things of that nature. You know, I think guys typically do way worse than girls uh, when it comes to being single. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's that's yeah, it's a funny thing to say. Women, though they have so many options, don't just take every option. Yeah. Because I, I think that's also a biological programming in that as guys, we are biology programmed that we can just like mate with as many people as possible. Right. But for females, you have all this opportunity cost, like you have to bear the baby. Right. So what incentive is there to mate with many people? So I, I think biologically, we do have different goals. Right. And it surfaces <laughs> very much in the dating world. 100%. I mean, I think the way guys measure their success in dating is by how many women they end up sleeping with. Whereas girls don't really measure it that way. They're looking for more wholesome measures of the, their success in dating is like, how good is your boyfriend? Or like, you know, things of that. Are you single? Single is like the worst thing to be. <laughs> if there's a girl in a relationship and one girl is single, they look at them like a wounded dog. <laughs> it's like, oh, it'll get better, you know, type shit. But I think for for guys, it's like, yeah, I think being single is uh, at, the, at the epitome of what you want to be doing. <laughs> <laughs> the epitome of what you're going to be doing. Yeah, but see, I, I think it's interesting that we, we talked about this because there's actually evidence that shows men have been having sex less. Mm. So men are staying virgins for longer. There was a stat that said 27% of men under the age of 30 have not had sex since they were 18. So the number of male virgins is increasing in the last 20 years. Those are single men probably, no? Well, just in general, male sexlessness wow. has increased. And what's interesting is that female sexlessness has not decreased. Has it increased? I think it stayed the same. It stayed the same. It stayed the same. Yeah. So obviously if we look at the numbers that way, it might be puzzling at first because you think it's a one-to-one relationship. Right. But if you think about it further, it's really that certain men are having sex. Are like maybe compensating for the rest of men. Right. Some guys are just banging more girls. <laughs> well, that's, that's what the stat's saying. And some guys are not. And I think it really plays into the fact that the standards that are set for men these days, I think, are a lot higher than they used to be in the past. Um, in, in the fact that they have to be a lot more well-rounded, I think, these days. There are so many aspects of your life that are judged as a guy in the dating world. I think, you, you know, you can't just be a super hot, super hot guy and, and, you know, live in some dingy apartment. Because that's probably not going to cut it. I mean, okay, at the extremes, it'll obviously work, you know? But for the most part, it's like you need to have many aspects of your life tied together for you to be a viable candidate to this vast majority of women. Because women, at the end of the day, have all the cards in their hands and they're able to pick. So why would you pick, you know, uh, at the 40th percentile when you could go to like the 70th percentile of guys? So I think that top percentage of guys... Are going to see a lot more activity and compensating for the remainder of guys unfortunately <laughs> yeah well the reason is because women can see the top percentage of guys more easily now with online tools like social media or online dating is that women no longer just meet like the the 20 people like if you're in a small town the 20 people around the block you're now able to swipe on everybody in that 50 mile radius right and it I think it's like something like 50% of guys are on dating apps. So in, in a 50 mile radius, you're seeing 50% of guys. <laughs> that is just insane to me. That's an insane number. Well, every, you know, guys, we get to see, get to swipe on all of those girls as well. We're just not as successful at it. <laughs> We're very much unsuccessful at it. If you look at online dating stats, the bottom 80% of men compete for the bottom 20% of women. And the top 78% of women compete for the top 20% of men. Wow. So, yeah, all of those women competing for the same men. Right. And all of the men competing for the same women. Yeah, I mean... Like, like it's not as one-to-one as you think where it just goes boom, 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 boom. But, you know, I don't even think it stops at the dating realm, like on the online dating realm. I think even goes spills into like if you look at the nightclub scene, it's like you got you got guys still stepping way below their 
their their you know where where they're where they're at in terms of the spectrum of you know being good looking in order to just get some get some action going it's crazy i think naturally guys are just down to settle and i think even outside of dating i I, like online it spills into the real world as well where girls are still going to be looking for those top 20 percent of guys even in the real world not just on these dating platforms and so yeah it definitely plays into the fact that these guys at the top 20 percentile are banging banging all the girls yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah i think and it definitely just goes back to that we want different things in dating women are looking for like the best the best man and okay and this is obviously just generally because we do have women that steer from the norm and actually the people that are getting laid the most are like the top one percent of women oh wow yeah yeah like the one percentile of women for having partners is like a hundred plus or something wow yeah and for men it's like it's still super high but it's like 30 to 50 so obviously there are anomalies but on average women do have less less sexual partners on average okay so i i would like to proceed to what you were talking about earlier in that women compete for the top men right and there's actually a concept called hypergamy that kind of supports this theory is that women tend to shoot for men with social status better than them for example even though equality has objectively increase between the genders women are graduating from college while making more money still in 93 percent of marriages the woman earns less than the man or the man earns more so people you know if you think about it in your personal life where you've had a partner or your friends had a partner and they talk about it if it's a guy it's often oh what does he do what does he do for work but for a girl chris rock said this actually he said it's always what what did he do and for a girl it's is she cute? That's so valid. Because yeah. we we care about different things. But because women have become more successful over the years, it's actually shown that men are finding it hard to keep up in some ways. Because if now women are like, you know, she's a doctor now, it's like, oh, it's quite hard to be better than a doctor. That was always prevalent in society is female heterosexual hypergamy. I think this goes a little bit into like gender roles in relationships and i'm not saying like i'm not old school in the way that i think that women need to be doing playing certain roles but i think roles in general need to be played and i think it really depends on the person who has that position for example you're saying women tend to be making more money now men are finding it hard to keep up i think the role of the breadwinner can be played by either the women or the man i don't think that's important but i think the role needs to be played well and not you know, used in a negative way because naturally, if you're the breadwinner, yeah, you have it is a sense of empowerment in terms of the role that you play in the dynamic of that relationship. But I think if it's played well, then it can lead in a pretty successful interaction. And I think guys in the past is like that's what we've known to do, and that's the role that we've learned to play, and so we do play it in a pretty well way. The guy, you know, obviously in the extremes, it can be, it can go both ways. But what I'm saying is the role can be played well, but I find that it's important that somebody plays it and somebody plays it well. I don't, I don't, I wouldn't care personally if my wife made more money than me, but I would. I think your wife would care though. That's the point. That's, that's the point? That, like, that's what makes it difficult. Well, is that- I think as a guy though, like, you know, making more money is not the epitome of your masculinity. Like, for example, in in my parents, my mom makes quite a lot more than my dad. But the dynamic that's set up is that my dad still is calling the shots, you know, because at the end of the day, that's the dynamic that was set up. I think these kind of outward players, uh, like, you know, how good looking and, and, you know, maybe how much money you make, those play a role. But I think charisma and the way you set up roles as a person in, in the dynamic of a relationship can change that so much. Off the initial bit, surface level that has value, but as soon as you set up that uh, kind of the 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 way the interaction flows, and if you play the role in a certain way, you can still be that masculine guy without being the breadwinner of the family. Right, men have always led families, like households. Yeah, historically, yeah. Yeah, yeah I guess regardless of of money, that historically yeah. has always been the case. Yeah, and I'm sure it's, it's changing now. But these are generals that have existed for centuries. 
And you know, I think this is an interesting thing to bring up is like the increased, I guess, trajectory of simping culture. <laughs> <laughs> where you got all these guys who who be straight simping for so many of these girls you know i think it's playing into that idea of like the roles between guys and girls in the dynamic of a relationship are changing in the last 10 years i think i don't know the numbers but i could tell you there's more simps out here <laughs> 10 years ago there were there weren't as many guys simping over girls do you think <laughs> yeah. that the number of sims have increased or they're just more visible do you really think they've increased I think they have, and in, in many ways, okay, one aspect is girls are demanding more out of guys. I think that's an aspect that's caused guys to, like, you know, pour their hearts out in terms of their efforts. But I also think a lot of it has to do with the fact that, you know, playing back to that point, is like guys are always on the pursuer side. And so if doing a little simping is going to get you on their, on their more favored side, then you're going to do what it takes, you know? But do you think simping helps? I don't think it sets up a good dynamic because you're always expected to fix the problem and, and be the solution in many ways. Whereas, you know... Wait, okay. okay, before we continue, define simp. Okay, yeah. You, I, I think you're talking about you're in a relationship, but you're simping. Not even. I think just like in the dynamic of a relate, like in the dynamic of even dating. Oh, right, right. Yeah. Because people can simp to quite... An extraordinary spectrum because oh, okay. you can be simping for like Belle Delphine and buy her bathwater. Right. Okay. Yeah, okay, okay. Okay. I mean, it's because of the internet, now you can sim for people that live in like different countries and send them like hundreds of thousands of dollars. Like OnlyFans. OnlyFans is, I think, yeah. the the biggest part of that simping culture. Yeah. So even like what you're talking about, yeah. even though it's okay, I guess I would consider them sims too. That's like on a decent scale of sims. Like, it does get a lot, unfortunately, sadder than Wow. That. But men simping more? That is an interesting thought. Because I, I initially thought you were talking about, like, online sims. Because that oh, stuff wow. is kind of crazy these days, where you're, there are people that are buying bathwater and sending Twitch streamers, like, thousands of, of dollars that they don't have to just, like, have this person as a sub. Or you get, like, a text from them. <laughs> OnlyFans is this billion-dollar industry. So many people have OnlyFans these days. It's insane how so, how much money some of these creators can make. You can make like $20 million plus a year doing OnlyFans. It's crazy. I, I mean, there was like a, a, when Bella Thorne got on, it, on OnlyFans, on the first day, I think she made a million dollars or something like that. In one day? In one day, bro. How crazy is that? That's absolutely insane. And just from subscriptions? or Yeah, just from subscriptions, I guess. And I think maybe like, you know, one-off videos and things, maybe some exclusive content. I've never had OnlyFans, so I can't really speak much on it, but. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's surprising how how much money is in OnlyFans, like how many men are subscribing. Yeah. That kind of surprises me, to be honest. And I'm sure with the case of many of these things, is that a small portion of these men, uh, they call them like whales, is that they spend they're like subscribed to like everything or they like throw money because i would assume the typical only fans user just has like one subscription or something right there are, there are definitely whales <laughs> yeah and i think honestly if we're talking about difficulties of men in, in dating these days it is that portion of men that are not yes i think you know it's how easy the gratification is as a man in terms of addressing your sexual desires it honestly creates this feeling that you don't need the you don't need to put the effort in to go out there and do something about it. You could just satisfy yourself at home. <laughs> Pornography, bro, it's crazy. Like people are just glued to their computers watching porn. I mean, I'm not gonna say that you know these are some extraordinary people because at times you you know we've been those people. <laughs> but I'm just saying like. They could just live off of that and they don't need much more. Oh, you could get so, so lost in that shit. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a whole movement towards quitting masturbation, quitting watching porn. No, I mean, not no, fam. <laughs> no, no, not November. If you're doing no, not November, let us know. Um, but yeah, no, fab. There's entire communities dedicated towards it. And I, I think, honestly, again, there's a spectrum. I think there are definitely healthy things about no fap and no not November. Like if you're truly addicted to porn, you should probably address that or try to address it. But it's not gonna give you like increased testosterone or make you more attracted to women. 
Like women are not going to be able to be like, oh, because if, okay, so maybe some context on NoFap, the community on Reddit, I think it's very supportive in general, but there is a lot of backing things that are not very scientifically sound. For example, your testosterone spiking and you become more attractive to women. Like, how would that make sense? Okay, the second part <laughs> makes no sense. But I have heard that the increase in testosterone levels is a, is a, is a possible thing. But it's a tiny amount, right? It's not like a huge amount where people claim it. But yeah, some of those claims are, are pretty funny. Like, how would a girl smell it on you? Like, oh, that, guy, <laughs> that guy does not watch porn. Yeah, no. And that's the reason it's like, why would you stop? Because it's like, there's no consequences to it. You know, and and not any imminent consequences, but long term, there's definitely, definitely consequences, uh, I think, to watching porn that you end up falling into those kind of, you know, like you were talking about the OnlyFans communities and um, and, and shit like Jerkmate. Have you heard of that? Uh-huh. This is like, you know, like webcams, girls on webcams and shit. But th- I feel like there's a huge culture with that because now people are able to satisfy themselves at their own home. And these are like the more authentic uh, connections that they could have in that realm. Because porn is pretty disconnected from you. But I think these platforms now urge it to be more of a, you know, you create that connection more. And so to people, it has a higher value now. That's a fantastic point. Yeah. Because OnlyFans, that is how that works. You message and you get access to premium content. Right. That's how it works. Ah, I see. Yeah, so it's almost as if we're stepping towards like people getting lost in VR and just jerking it all day. I mean, in Japan and stuff, like you were saying that, you know, they, they promote these uh, cultures of dating. And, and I think a lot of it comes from these things like fembots and, and, and you know, things. That, I mean, obviously that's an extreme, but in those cultures, I think they're so addicted to porn and, and it's the extremes of that, you know, online gratification that leads to the, you know, not them not seeing a need for the you know actual physical right i I will kind of stand up for people in a sense for this because i i think it's both they do get lost in these cycles themselves because at the end of the day it is your choice right but i would say the world is also pretty punishing to people that are not socially up to date by the time they're in their mid-20s like as a kid you could have been like quite quirky and people probably would have accepted you easier to make friends back then but as an adult, I think, especially in dating, if you're a guy that has never really had experience with dating and you try to come out here and like holla, you're getting like crushed. Yo, sure. that's crazy that you mentioned that because it's like, you know, we talk about the realm of like, you know, financial situation where it's like lower class, middle class, upper class. And in some countries, there's only really an upper class and a lower class. And I feel like almost in the dating realm with guys, there's really only an upper class and a middle class or and a lower class. There's really not this middle class where you do kind of well in the dating realm, you know? It's either that you typically do pretty poorly or you do quite well, I think. It's like a 2080. That's yeah, like this split. exactly. And it's like that 80 is like, you know, it's such a huge population of guys, but it's like you're held to a pretty limited dating experience. Oh, and it definitely affects how proficient you are because I don't want to talk about it completely as a game but there are certain rules that you have to understand like how to organize a first date and make it smooth and what to talk about on a first date people would actually ask these kinds of questions online it's like oh i'm in my mid-20s or early 30s and i'm going on a date what should i talk about and god bless them for reaching out but this is stuff that people learn much younger than that if you think about your formative years you know, I was talking to girls when I was like five years old or eight years old and then 11. Like there were years right. in which I had that experience, but there are men that have gone their entire lives and women as well that have gone their entire lives, have ne- never spoken to her, like never had a girl be like, hey, you're cute. Yeah. Not having a single interaction. And you know, it's like, I think confidence is such a huge aspect of dating and in order for you to build confidence, it has to kind of somehow be rooted in successes. And when you have nothing, no successes to base your confidence on, you're now not only not in this top 20%, but you're also operating at a way lower dynamic of yourself because of your lack of confidence. So it's a double whammy. And and the further it gets going, the worse it gets because your confidence keeps dropping lower and lower and and now any interaction with a girl is like 
this like huge thing to you and and you don't even know how to you know interact with them or you know reciprocate these uh these emotions right it's extremely punishing yeah very punishing because think, yeah, yeah think about you, you have never spoke to a girl before and then someone's like hey go talk to that girl at the bar and you go up to me and you're like hey and you say something dumb because you've never talked to a girl before and then more likely the girl is not interested and you're like wow this sucks and you know I think something to add there is like when you go up to that girl at the bar, it's not really about what you're saying. It's about the confidence you're portraying. Yeah. So it's like he could have said, hey, the next guy who has a higher confidence could have said, hey, and those are two very different outcomes. Right. And so it's not even about really you saying the wrong thing. It's just about the way you go about saying it. Yeah. Unfortunately, that's that's how the world works. And, <laughs> it, <laughs> and it works like that in the dating world as well. It's like people that struggle with dating... We're not like, oh, let's help them get more dates. Let's like even the playing field and like make sure that they do better. So it's definitely very competitive out here for for a lot of guys, unfortunately. And speaking of online dating in the past, I know you haven't had too much experience with online dating, but what have you been on and how was it? Yeah, you know, I, I don't think I would ever say that I've, you know, been on the apps, quote unquote, but I've obviously had them for maybe you know, a couple days or maybe even a week at a point. But I find that generally my rate of success on an app versus in person, it just makes no sense for me to, I feel like, invest this much time on an app. A, I think it takes up so much of your time. You're so invested in it. And I think you're quite emotionally tied to it. (laughs) And it could also be a deterrent in terms of confidence. In the the past, I, I feel like, the girls that I have matched with or, you know, spoken to on the apps, I feel like I'm punching way below what I would in person. Mm. And so to me, I just don't find the value in it. I feel like on apps, girls have all the power. I think, um, you know, the percentages of, of matches with girls and guys, guys are matching with, you know, 2% of the girls they swipe on versus girls who are matching with 36%. That's that's one in three for every girl and one in every fifty for a guy. Right. With with the amount of work you're putting into it and what you're getting out of it as a guy, I just don't think it's as worth it. Obviously, in person, you suffer the consequences of a of an in person rejection. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas on the app, it's you don't even realize it's that it's happened. Yeah. But I think as a guy, you know, you're going to always do way better in person than Right. Good advice. Good advice from Josh. If you're trying to improve your day in life. Meeting people in person, surprisingly, is pretty effective. But people in the dating world now have probably used apps. I'm sure there are guys out there that have used a dating app before they've ever approached a girl in person. I would say plenty, to be honest. And even the stats scoot that way because back in the day, the most common place to meet your partner was at a bar. That was around like 38%. But now it's online. Like 39% of people are heterosexual couples in 2017 met online wow so that that those interactions are just happening less frequently it's crazy and so much of your dynamic is built prior to you even having a conversation in person in person which is wild to me yeah it's so crazy i almost save all the like all those initial bits for in person i hate i hate texting too much in the beginning because i think it detracts from your ability to have fluid conversations in person Right, but you have to do it in online dating. There is yeah. the complete onus, aside from Bumble, is, oh, you match, and now empty screen, you're the guy, say something funny, say something funny that's touching and leads to more conversation. This wombo combo of opening lines. And you know, it's like you, as a guy, if you want higher success, you need to almost tailor each one to their profile. <laughs> that's why it's hard, yeah. That's why it's hard. It's, it's because like, there's been a hundred or, you know, hundreds of other guys who have tried to do the same thing. What you're saying might have been said better by some other guy. <laughs> exactly. You know? So it is kind of fair in that way that you can use some of your personality. You know, it's not just your looks and your profile. For sure. But saying hey is like, hey, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> That's insulting to say hey. But if you went up to some person on a night out and he was like, hey, what's up? They would probably be like, hey, what's up? <laughs> so yeah. yes those dynamics are so different I personally have actually a, a decent amount of experience online and so I've used 
basically all the apps. Tinder, Hinge, Bumble. What else is out there? Coffee Meets Bagel, if you've heard of that. I, I have never heard of that. Yeah, they all have a different dynamic. Yeah, yeah. You know? It's like Tinder is pretty classic, the right swipes. Uh, Coffee Meets Bagel, you get a certain number of bagels every day. You can like... Hand out bagels to people, I guess? No, no, no. You got like 14 bagels, girls of the day. Uh, and okay. you just like them. Interesting. So you only get that many. Yeah, but it's very, it's very catered to you. Okay. Yeah. But they all have a similar format. Like at the end of the day, you have to say something witty and then they reply. You might have more commonalities on different apps. Uh, something funny I wanted to bring up is how the Tinder algorithm works. And this is a hack for having a better time on Tinder. So we talked about the 80-20 rule. And this is super prevalent online dating, as you mentioned, that 80% of guys compete for 20% of women. So what happens is if you're an average dude, you're below average, if you understand what I'm saying. If you're an average dude, you're below average on the app. Yeah. Yes, yes. So the way it works is everyone gets assigned like a rating, like a 1200 ELO in chess. Wow. It's like your starting rating. And this is like, this is the average guy. But if you're the average guy, you'll probably drop very quickly. And then gray guys like rise like immensely. Right. What happens is we drop. <laughs> <laughs> and, but the thing is the higher up you are, the more you're getting shown to girls. Right. So as you drop, you're getting shown to less girls and less girls. And then you drop further because you get... Because no one's swiping on you. It's a negative feedback loop. <laughs> That's what they constructed to be. Wow. So if you actually reset your account <laughs> and bring yourself back up. Wow. So you can get more attention. You get more eyes. Because it's brutal how fast you can get dropped. And we can get into this if you want to. But I think this is also a race thing, to be honest. And not saying like, oh, I think I'm fantastic. But there have been evidence that shows Asian men do worse on average in the West. No, I think, I think race definitely plays a, a, a bigger role on those online dating platforms. And I, and I think it plays more into like the fact that on an online dating platform, your, your cruise charisma and, and, and the way you're able to compose yourself in terms of your confidence and your conversations don't play a fact in this online dating realm. And I think it bites a lot of people in the in the ass because if you're not the the trending look or you know if you're not what's good right now then you're just not going to get as many likes if you don't have you know i see a lot of guys these days wearing like a lot of like chains and rings and stuff you know if you don't have that kind of swagger you're not what's in right now and so your charisma and and those kind of things are pretty much just pushed aside because at face value you're not as valuable right now Again, I, I think these are the, the core reasons why I feel like I, I feel I, I've never really used the apps um, for a longer period of time because I think it just there's just no benefits that you're reaping from from the work you're putting in. You know, I, I would say, I mean, I'm, I'm sure that's anecdotal, but I would say is debatable. Some people probably have decent experiences online if you're if you have a good process with it and you're not super into it. But yes, in general, guys, if you're talking to people in real life you 100% do better than you do online. I would say back in the day, I don't know what my swipe rate was, but I would match with like 1% of people, less than one. And I thought, would really I get curved by 99 people if I approached 100? And their answer is no. I didn't like, those numbers are horrible. Yeah. But imagine getting rejected by like 200 girls in a row. <laughs> <laughs> but I think online it's like, okay, if you look at it in terms of time invested type of situation, in that for that hundred girls, the one that you got, you matched with, you could have done that in like an hour, maybe an hour and a half. Whereas in person, you're obviously not going to be able to talk to a hundred girls in person in an hour and a half. <laughs> so obviously in that realm is, you know, time efficiency, it might not actually be as bad as we make it out to be. But in terms of, you know, your confidence being stripped <laughs> with, with how little girls are swiping on you, I think in person, you're probably going to have way better of success. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It kills your confidence. Yeah. I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Nobody likes me. <laughs> that literally, that's literally the point. Nobody, uh, nobody likes you. <laughs> but see, the thing is, it's so crazy for, for girls because you, we talked about the convenience of it. It's like in an hour, hour and a half, you can take 200 shots and you make one. That's not bad. Time-wise, it's not bad. But as a girl, 
in that hour you're shooting 100 shots and you're like 50 (laughs) (laughs) it's just the number of options is insane these girls some girls will have like thousands of men in the back pocket and everybody is like waiting for it waiting for a text it's crazy to me and you know it's and again it's within that 50 mile radius which is wild to me it's like how are you speaking to this many people that are this close to you you know it works for some people it doesn't work for others I think in general, though, one thing that anybody needs to work on is their in-person game because the online dating eventually will spill out into real dating. <laughs> <laughs> you still need to be good at that. <laughs> so, so why not just start where, where you're going to be at anyways? That's a great point. Yeah, you definitely have to nail the in-person. Okay, we're, not, we're definitely not claiming people have like gotten married yeah. over the, the internet. Well, I mean, a lot of people have, bro. A lot of people. Like, and you know, these apps are now designed for different purposes these days. You know, you have the variety of things, and and they almost hit these different niches as as uh, in this online dating realm. Even like Tinder is your is your hookup app. You know, uh, Bumble is like you know, girls have all the cards in their hands, and Hinge is created for this more you know relationship based interaction. Mm. And so I think. Even within these different dating apps, the, the goal can be different and, you know, right. girls go about it in different ways. Oh, for sure. But what I think is caused by all of these apps, though, regardless of what app you're using, is a bit of romantic disposability. So you can be so impersonal now, you know, because I can match with people and you don't even know their last name. Right. Yeah. They don't have to say what they do for work. Yeah. You just have some photos. And you, it's not someone that you know in person. So when it comes to the interaction, you can be very just blunt about it. There's not as many reciprocation or not as many consequences in terms of uh, what you're about to do. A hundred percent. You the consequences are much less because you would never ghost someone that you would never ghost your friend. Say yeah. your friend like asked you out, you would just be like, what? <laughs> you would acknowledge it and be like, hey, I'm sorry, yeah. dog. Oh, girl, I'm yeah. not into you. Yeah, yeah. But online, someone asked you out or said something dumb, or not even that dumb, just something not wildly entertaining. Like, okay. 100%. And I think it goes on. behind, like, you know, people behind screens and people who are behind these monitors. Like, they're saying so many more of their, maybe their raw emotions, but also maybe some of their extremist emotions because they feel like there are no consequences for it. Oh, you can be more honest? Yeah, you can be more honest. Oh, you would say some... Yeah, you can say some pretty nice. Bro, like, you know, growing up, you play Call of Duty. The shit the people... The kids are saying these days, you know? Banged your mom. Like, like, it's crazy what people will say behind mics, but in person, they got nothing to say, you know? No, people say some naughty stuff. People will really cut to the point. Yeah. It's like three messages in, and people can already be talking about sex. Yes. Sex is so much more, I think, potentially impersonal these days. You talk about romantic disposability. Talk about sex. Wow. How crazy is it that we're in a day and age where, like, you know, waiting to, like, even the third date is like, whoa, you know? (laughs) You have such restrictions on sex. You know? It's crazy. Like, your third interaction with this person, you're inside of them. (laughs) It's crazy to me how impersonal sex has become. Oh, no. It's so impersonal. It's It's not like third date is even kind of pushing it sometimes. Yeah. It's like first date. So I don't even know your last name. Yeah. I mean, if you're meeting over an app, I don't know, I don't know what the average of like how impersonal it's been for people, but it can get very impersonal. Very. It can be like three messages and then... And your first are, interaction is you going to their place. Yeah, exactly. You know? But I also think it's probably liberated people a bit. It's more acceptable. Yeah. And this, this is also like an anonymous way. Because in your, in your personal life, you yeah. couldn't just have, like, go around and having sex with all your friends and none of your friends really. What's happened? Yeah, no, that's very fair. That's very fair. I also think, you know, we've come to the point where dating has become so sexualized that I feel like, uh, irregardless of whether these interactions were happening in person or online, they're going to lead to, to a lot more intimate of a, of a relationship very quickly just because of the standards we've set as a society. I think, you know, the fact that we have OnlyFans and, and you know, you know, women talk about it all the time, but how much we sexualize women these days, I think that's so valid. And I think that plays into dating so much. I guess men are in general thirsty. Yeah, yes. But is, has that, do you think that's changed? I feel like men have always been thirsty. I mean, if we look at like historical <laughs> events and like these enormous wars that have occurred, right. sometimes it's been over women. 
No, it's crazy, man. It's crazy. Have you yeah. seen Troy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have. I have seen Troy. It was ever. Was it ever Helen or the one of the female? Characters, yeah, like yeah. The queen, one of the queens or something. No, yeah. it is crazy. As men, I think we've always yeah sexualized women to some extent, but I think how much accessibility we have to the sexualization of women these days is so different. Like, I think I was hearing somewhere in the past where it's like today the average guy has the same access in terms of pornography like in terms of we viewing naked women as like the king of rome <laughs> back in the day you know unfortunately i did lose some footage in the middle because of technical difficulties so i thought i would recap some of the missing parts and also the episode in general before i hand it off to josh and i properly Love and romantic love is a fundamental desire of all humans and has been since our reception and will continue to be as long as the human race persists. This is still seen in the modern world. We see it in marriages, conventional monogamous relationships, but also less conventional relationship types that are becoming more prevalent, such as situationships that Josh mentioned earlier. There's this great quote by Oscar Wilde. He said, everything in this world is about sex, except for sex. Sex is about power. And I don't necessarily subscribe to the fact that everything is about sex, but I like to think of it as everything in this world is about love. Wanting to be loved is such an integral part of being human, and therefore the means of getting there, dating, in whatever form that it comes in now, will always be an incredibly universal topic. I think that it is a good place to end this episode on dating with a quote by Oscar Wilde. Uh, Josh, it's been fantastic having you for this in-person episode. What what was it like in person? Honestly, man, it, it, it's I find that I have some of my most interesting conversations with you, and to have it documented is just a, a plus to begin with. So I think in person it's great because I feel like I'm just speaking. We're just speaking as friends, um, and, and yeah, it's been a blast, man. I, I'm very excited. I'm very excited for all the the content you will re- release after this as well. Um, I feel like your opinions are very interesting and yeah, looking forward to it. Wow. Compliments from the guest. <laughs> Take note, future guests. Just kidding. Anyway, it's been a blast having you. I'm sure everyone's going to appreciate your takes on the modern dating world. Wow. What a fascinating topic. <laughs> anyway, this is Matt and Josh G signing out for this episode. See ya.